Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Happy Tuesday morning to you, and we are back. We are back. If you watch TV at all this, this weekend, you know what I'm talking about. Sports. 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 Welcome to Off the Bench. I'm Trace Fowler, and we are presented by United Dairy Farmers. We come your way every single day, Monday through Friday, from 10 hey. to 12 P. And you can join us in a multitude of ways. You can find us on YouTube. Just search Chatterbox Sports, Off the Bench. And if you like to watch, and by watch I mean listen, in podcast form, you can uh, you can you can listen in any way possible. I mean, when I mean that, I mean sincerely. You're just not looking if you can't find us on podcast platforms. Spotify, Apple, Google, Amazon, Podbean. There's a million of them. There's a million of them. In fact, there's, uh, there's, some, there's some newsworthy information on podcasts. We'll let Elliot Rearing share that here in a little bit. Um, but here's where we're at. All right? Tom Brenneman, he hosts this show, right? You know that. And I uh, got in touch with him this weekend, and he's in good spirits. He's a little quiet. He said he's a little quiet, but hopefully in a few weeks uh, we'll be able to bring him on, and uh, all will be right in the world. And uh, we'll bring him on. I guess it would be a guest of his own show. I don't really know how that would work, but that's how we're going to do it. Can you see the light, though? Because I can see the light. We're headed right towards Sports Heaven. Right towards it. College football, NFL, playoff baseball. I mean, it doesn't get better than that. College football reminded many of us why we love it so much. Coach Prime, Coach Prime, you heard him. He said, we coming. We coming. Well, I think they're here. I think they're here. Maybe you can say I'm overreacting, but at the end of the day, college football peaked this weekend. The interest of what I think would be many in a multitude of ways. Reed's going to remind you that Oklahoma won 73 to nothing, but I want to remind you that Colorado had won a hell of a football game against TCU at TCU, winning 45 to 42. Prime son throws for 500 yards. His other son has 10 tackles. One could argue he has the best player in the country in Travis Hunter on both sides of the ball. He only caught like 110 yards receiving and then had an interception. That's no big deal. Some of you can't even do that in your backyard if you decide to get your son's friends around the neighborhood to go play some pickup football. Is Florida State back? I'm asking, is Florida State back? They sure look like it. They took Brian Kelly and LSU straight to the woodshed. 45-24 to 24 as Brian Kelly uh, looked upon as being a little bit different now. Remember, Notre Dame, everybody said, well, he just needs to go to a place where academics weren't that big of a deal. No offense to LSU. Uh, and perhaps he could just get down there in the South. <clears throat> he is a Southern gentleman. He told you that right from the get. Uh, Clemson and Duke, they took a page right out of the old Mac playbook. You know what I'm talking about. You decide to schedule your game when there's no other games going on. You know, just, a, just the typical Monday night football game for college football. That was all good and well. That probably was a good thought on Clemson's part on the front end, but uh, Duke was the one that had the last laugh. Did you see that? I mean, Duke just Duke just looked, they looked apart. 
Maybe it was Clemson didn't look the part. I don't know what it was. But if I was a Tiger fan, I'd be I'd be a little worried. Is Dabo Sweeney a fraud? People are asking. People are asking. If you don't have a multi-generational type quarterback playing for the Tigers, Dabo Sweeney has done what exactly? Done what exactly? No Deshaun Watson. No Trevor Lawrence. No, no winning of any real significance. NFL football starts in just two days. Uh, the Lions and the Chiefs. The Lions and the Chiefs are on Thursday night football. Chiefs are dealing with some of their own things as we speak. We'll get into that. Uh, but as always, we know what this show's about. It's a homer show. Tom said it's a homer show, and we got some homers in here, let me tell you. The Cincinnati Bengals are going to head to Cleveland as two-and-a-half-point favorites on Sunday to face the Cleveland Browns. The Reds, <laughs> the Reds, they were dead. They were dead. They were dead until they weren't. Thank God for the Cubs' bullpen. Never say die, Cincinnati Reds. They went 4-3 and three over this holiday weekend since the last time we did a show. And I uh, got to be honest, the pitching staff yesterday, they look like they rolled out a plan straight out of Goodyear, Arizona back in March. Check out these numbers. Just listen to these numbers for a minute. This was the, this was the pitching staff's numbers that they decided to throw yesterday. Oh, by the way, in a playoff race. The starter, number 70. Next man up, 50. Then it goes to 70. 86. Now we're looking respectable. 39, 46. And then right back to Elliott's guy, number 79. Now, to be fair, I think that's been – these numbers now are being kind of weird, right? It's like these just random numbers, guys just keep them. Usually, you're assigned a number in spring training, and then when you get to the big leagues, you get a chance to change up your number. Some of these guys just say the hell with it. I'll just – I'll keep the number I got in spring training, I guess, way back in the day. That's fine. We got guys out here, to be honest with you, that, that, that rightfully so you've never heard of. Throwing scoreless innings. Marriott Hotels is out here just throwing two and three three innings worth of scoreless baseball. Now, he did give up a run, but that's beside the point. But here we are, tied atop the last wild card spot. Your Cincinnati Reds. If the season ended today, today, the Reds are in the postseason. What more do you want from them? They're battling COVID. God bless them. Hopefully they get through it. We'll probably have a discussion about that, and hopefully we don't get canceled because of it. Um, they hold the tiebreaker over the Diamondbacks, so for those that are looking at the standings right now and wondering what I'm talking about, well, if the season ended today, they'd be tied atop the last wildcard spot with the Diamondbacks, and they'd hold the tiebreaker. They hold the tiebreaker over the Cubs. Unfortunately, they hold the tiebreaker, uh, I believe, over the Marlins. The only team that they do not have a tiebreaker over is the Giants. So we're in a position now where hopefully uh, the Giants don't get hot. Maybe the Cubs can help us out. Here's the thing. Last, last, last thing on the programming note here before we kind of get going. Shout out Pawnee Water. Sorry about that. Uh, is this. This show, I, I want to make it better, right? And, and I know everyone just says that. And this, that, and there. Oh, we need to get better. We need to get better. We need to get better. There is, uh, there, I think there's a lot of talent in this room. There's a lot of people that I think we could utilize and do some things. I want to do that. Unfortunately, what the hard part with this is, is we're, I mean, it sounds like an excuse, but we are busy. This is really busy. We're always doing something. Uh, shout out Bash on Short Vine. 
Um, thankful for those that came out and, and, and supported that. We'll be doing another one relatively soon, and I'm sure you'll hear about it. Um, but we're going to do, for the next two days, okay? Bear with me here. For the next two days, which is Wednesday and Thursday. Friday, we're going to do a full show. Wednesday and Thursday, we're going to do a one-hour show. We're going to rearrange the studio. We're going to add some segments. We're going to make this show fun, okay? I get that we want to talk sports. We're going to talk sports. I know Ronnie's already screaming all caps in the chat. But here's the thing. We need, to, we need to mix in some humor here. We got too much humor. Sometimes I think to myself, if we just had cameras in here while the show wasn't going on, that in and of itself would be almost just as good of a show than the show we produce on a daily basis. And I know many of you love the show, and the show is, you know, maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, I don't know. But again, I think it can get better. I know it can get better. We just have to have a little bit of time to plan and prep. Hopefully the next two days we can get that done, and we can head off into Monday back better than ever. All right, let's get into it. Coach Prime's opener. I know that's uh, that's the that that sh that should be the lead in Cincinnati sports over the weekend that we've had. I get it, but I just want to open with it. Why? Because I think it's a fascinating subject line. You have you have a guy that is that is overly um, some would say cocky. I say confident. I think I think at the end of at the end of it all. Coach Prime, I guess is what he wants to be called. He just wants respect. He wants respect. And the thing is, is I don't think this guy's just coming out of nowhere saying these things that are outlandish when he hasn't done it before. That's my, that's my main point. It'd be one thing if this guy had, ne you know, when I say never played football, it'd be one thing if he played, you know, FCS football, came up through the ranks of, of, of maybe in college, was an assistant for a while, and then decided he got his chance, and he started talking outlandish like this. No, this guy was an elite-level college football player, Hall of Fame NFL football player, had success pretty much everywhere he went after he got done with the NFL, and you know what? He's winning the way that he knows how to win. He talks in a manner in which he knows he can get attention. He does these things, I think, strategically. He doesn't just say these things just to be outlandish. He doesn't just go and have his, his one son, the video coordinator. They don't record all this stuff and put it on YouTube and try to, make it a, try to make it a little bit of a reality show. Out of coincidence. It's all on purpose. It's a systematic way of building up a program. And you know what? I do respect for about Coach Prime. You may, you, whether you love him or you hate him, you can't deny this. He at least says it how it is. He's doing things. He said he has his own luggage. He said he's bringing his own guys. And by God, he brought his own guys, didn't he? Colorado hasn't sniffed wins in years. He comes in, and, and you can say what you want. TCU's overrated, blah, 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 blah. And he might be right. Okay, I'm not suggesting that, that, that Colorado is going to win the Big 12 and they're going to be in the college football playoff, this, that, and the other. All right, but I will, at least we can at least admit that the plan that he has in place is largely put together to just try to draw eyeballs to a program that would never draw out, draw eyeballs otherwise. Is Coach Prime in an excellent X's and O's mind? I don't know. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, if he's just a CEO of a program and he finds good people and puts them in good spots, then that's all that matters. His son might just be really good at football. I don't know. Genetics of a Hall of Fame NFL quarterback, not a quarterback, but an Hall of Fame defensive, uh, defensive back might just, just might produce kids that are really good at football. I don't know. Newsflash. So he is really good. It actually, before we get into this, guys, I think of anything, the one thing I took from this, between his son 
throwing for 500 yards is yes, TCU might be frauds. But I think we always disrespect the lower levels of sports sometimes. Like Division II, really good Division II teams, more times than not, have really good football players and or really good whatever sport you're talking about. I'm not suggesting one second that if you took Jackson State from last year, they were going to compete with Power 5 schools. But there's obviously kids that play on those teams that can play high-level college football. And his son proved that. You don't just accidentally throw for 500 yards, people. You just don't. His other son, by the way, had 10 tackles. You're, I mean, you're, am I overreacting on Coach Prime a little bit? Maybe. But your general thoughts of, of what he did this weekend, did he prove the haters wrong or is it still too early to tell? It's it's one week into the season, but yeah, I mean that's certainly a start to a program. Listen, there was not a funnier graphic that was thrown up on the screen than at halftime they're talking to to Dion going into the locker room and they 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 flash up the graphic that says Colorado has not had a lead at halftime since 2021. So it's been two years since they led at halftime, and he did it against a top 25 team in week one, beat them. That's certainly impressive. It's certainly you know bolsters the the rocket ship of everyone that says coach prime's going to be a force in, in college football and he very well might be because the name of the game is recruiting in college football and there might not be a better recruiter there might not be anyone as charismatic in in the world of sports as Deion sanders but i mean it's one week i'm not gonna i'm not gonna say he's the best coach that ever lived so well i, I mean i think if you look at like the projection i think they're projected four and a half and then i think it was bet up to about five and a half Nobody really believed in this Colorado team. They liked the hype surrounding Dion, But when you steal a win against TCU, it means something, especially in college football where, I mean, again, parity is not really a part of the sport. The good teams beat the bad teams. That's usually how, it's, that usually is how it goes. Mm -hmm. So when Dion comes out here and he shocks TCU on opening day, it's a, big, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. I don't think you're reading too much into it to say Dion's proving the haters wrong. I think Dion is proving the haters wrong. I think him calling out that reporter who wrote all the bad stuff about him, I think that was incredible. I thought there is not a guy that's a better, that's a better ambassador for the sport than Deion Sanders. He is awesome. He's going to get all these kids, all, the, all my generation, all the young guys, all the high school kids. He's going to get the youth more involved into college football. I think he's awesome. I think, he's, I think what he's doing for the game is great, and I think he's a great coach. I think Colorado, will they probably come back down to earth at some point? Yeah, they have to. But as of right now, he's on top of the world, and I'm happy for him. Yeah, I, I think it's just the main point is, is that he is what you ultimately need to be in order to be successful in college football. There needs to be charismatic undertones to whoever you are. Sometimes I think that, you know, you don't get to see the people behind closed doors about who they really are, right? Like Ryan Day, for instance, he might look and appear differently on the field versus what he actually is in the living room of when he's trying to recruit somebody, right? Like, I, you know, it, it, can, it can fluctuate. Dion is Dion. And that's maybe the thing I appreciate the most with Dion is that you know what you're getting. And everybody wants to say, well, I, you know, can we, can we talk about something really quickly that's probably like a little sour or off subject? But, but Lee Corso um, with ESPN – we're getting to the point where we got to do something, guys. I mean, uh, listen, with all due yeah. respect, it's a sad situation there. Like, that's a sad situation. And I think I blame ESPN more than anybody. They're, 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 they've let this thing go on for too long. 
Kurt Herbstreit sitting there peeking over his shoulder trying to save him every five seconds. It's, it's absolutely ludicrous that this is still a thing. But he said something that really even points, like he said something along the lines that he didn't like, he didn't appreciate how Dion went about it. It's like, that just shows you a little bit of how to out of touch like certain people are in certain situations, I think, with how all that works. Um, I don't know. Lee, Lee, Lee was, a, was a giant. He deserves to be on that show if he wants to be on that show to a certain extent. But at the same time, you can't complain about the way Dion went about it. All he did was do the same thing that every other college football program does when they get there. He just did it publicly. He just told them straight to their face. He didn't kick them off the team. People were like, oh, he kicked them off. No, he told them it was going to be hard. If you want to be here, you're going to have to work harder than you probably ever worked in your life. If you don't, just leave. We don't need you. I got my own luggage. We're bringing our own guys. And guess what? If he wasn't like that, they don't win. Every single, every single program in the country that's, that's, that's worth anything does that. You can say that whether you want to say they force guys out, kick guys out, go look at college basketball all over the place. You think you think magically guys that only play three or four minutes that are on scholarship are in the transfer portal as soon as the season's over? No. I get that people want to sit there and blame the kids for entering the transfer portal left and right, but the truth is is that a lot of times it's the coaches and it's the coaching staff. It's the good cop, bad cop. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then you just probably haven't been around college athletics enough. But the good cop, bad cop is this. You got the head coach who wants to act like, you know, essentially you got to go. And then you got an assistant coach that acts like they love you and they want to keep you. So they want to make it seem like they want you, but ultimately they really don't want you. They want you out of there. So they make it seem like you're probably never going to play. Dion didn't do that. Dion just said straight up, you're probably going to have to go. And if you aren't going to go, then you're going to have to meet these expectations and if you don't want to do that then so be it so for those that are all worried about the way he handled it i just i got news for you that happens everywhere if you don't like that then you just don't like college sports all right florida state we did some college football picks we'll get into that in just a minute but mm -hmm. i want to mention florida state really fast it definitely feels like college football is better when there are these what do we call them Blue bloods. I don't know if that's the right word to use. What 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 is the term that we want to use here? They're 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 traditional programs that yeah, sure, at one point sure. had a historical yeah, yeah. marker, right? Florida State, without question, without question, is one of those programs, uh, and they've been bad for a long time. They've been bad for a long time. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I want to sit here and say that I guarantee they're going to make the college football playoff, which we're going to get into a little bit. But I, I tell you what, they're about as Florida State's the closest lock there is to getting in the college football playoff as almost anyone outside of maybe Georgia. Mm. I think I really do believe that. You think I'm being a homer here when saying that? Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I mean, I disagree, but yeah. <laughs> but I listen. I, I think LSU. Shout out Brian Kelly, biggest bum in, in sports. He, he came out there and he choked away the game. I don't think that was FSU winning. If I'm going to be honest, I think that was LSU losing the game. So no, I'm out on FSU. But to your point, I do think it's more fun when teams like that are good. I think Florida State not being relevant for the past ten years or whatever it's been, seven years, six years, that kind of does suck for the sport. LSU, I would have liked to see be good. Uh, but Brian Kelly just doesn't show up for the big games, so that's that's on Brian Kelly. Uh, but to your point, no, I, I no, that's an over that's an overreaction. I don't think Florida State Florida State's not finishing in the top fifteen. What? Mm. They played a bad league. They're, they're not. Play, they they're played not, in the worst not, of the Power Fives. Yeah, I mean they're not they're not finishing the top fifteen. They're mm. gonna lose. A, they're gonna lose a stinker. 
for for Elliot's point, whether you guys realize this or not, whenever in every sport, in every sport, when the prominent teams are good, it's better for the sport. When the Lakers and the Celtics are good, when the Knicks are good in the NBA, it's great. When the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Dodgers are good in the MLB, it's good. When Notre Dame and Florida State and Alabama and Ohio State or all these teams are good in college football, it's good for the sport. Whether we like it or not, that's just the way it is because those teams have fans. And when those fans are engaged, it's better for the sport. But like you said, Florida State, I don't, I don't I mean, saying that Florida State and Georgia are the two most likely teams to make the college football playoff, that, I mean, I'll, I'll check the betting lines. They both, I mean, Georgia plays on the east side of the, the SEC, which isn't great. And Florida State plays in the ACC, and who the only other team that we thought might maybe competes with them is Clemson, who just got mollywopped in a two-state two two, two championships between them and Duke. Just so I don't know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, if it takes it takes one. The difference is it takes one loss for Florida State against a Syracuse or a Duke That's to true. just knock them out of everything and to have everybody just stop caring. Opposed to if you're in the SEC, you lose a game, and no, no harm, no foul. I don't think so. I, I don't think so. Yeah, I, 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 I really don't. Too. Especially when you beat a team in the uh, in the SEC like LSU, who's going to bounce back. You can say whatever you want. Jaden Daniels is a good quarterback. They're gonna they're gonna bounce back. LSU is not going to be frauds. They're not. I mean, you you want to sit here. If you want to overreact, then overreact about LSU. Go ahead and tell me that they're not going to be any good, this, that, and the other. I think you're downplaying what Florida State actually is. If you go back and you look at Florida State last year, Florida State was actually a pretty damn good team last year. So if you want to, if you want to sit there and, and make fun of the fact that I'm sitting here telling you right now straight to your face that Florida State's probably going to make the college football playoff, go ahead and laugh. But the truth is, it all comes down to schedules. That's what I'm talking about. I, I, I bring up Georgia not because I think Georgia is one of the best teams in the country, guaranteed. Are they? They probably are, but but again, the reason I bring it up is because who they play more so than you know how good they are. So Florida State at this point they play in the uh, the ACC, which is a fraud league. It's been a fraud league, and Clemson they look great. Dabo Sweeney's a joke. He's been a joke. Dabo Sweeney may be the biggest fraud in college football. Has been, continues <laughs> to be, and will ever be. Let's <laughs> Your take about Dabo Sweeney might be true, but but you alluding to the fact that him having a good quarterback is the reason he's a fraud in the sport of football is a little silly. No, it's I mean, not. I mean, that's football. If you have a good no, quarterback, if you have a good quarterback, you win. You can say the same thing about Andy Reid. You can say the same well, we're thing. We're talking about college thing, football. Brian, here. Brian Belichick. I mean, we can talk about all these quarterbacks. We can talk no. about all these teams. Like if you have a quarterback. Yeah, you're going to win a lot of games. Not true. That's a silly thing to say. No, this is a guy that doesn't watch college football enough, clearly. Here's the, here's the truth. Here's okay, the so truth. Georgia won with a terrible quarterback for the past few years. So Georgia just won back-to-back national championships with a, with a three-star quarterback, quarterback I right. and I think he was actually a pretty decent quarterback, but you can't sit here and tell me that you can't sit here and tell me that you can't win in the ACC, the powerful ACC, the almighty ACC, the the, the, the league that has literally no one in it at all. No one without a generational quarterback. It's a joke. Let's be honest. Davo Sweeney has been polished up to be one of the elite level uh, uh, head coaches. He's been put on the same pedestal as Nick Saban. He's been put on the same pedestal as Kirby Smart and all these other guys, right? Urban Myers of the world. And he's none of those guys. He's not even close to those guys. He's, give him credit. He's recruited and he did get Trevor Lawrence and he did have Deshaun Watson. So if you have those two quarterbacks, you should get some credit for it. But again, you either run a good program or you have classes that carry the load. 
Dabo Sweeney has a class or two, and by class or two, I mean, for the most part, quite frankly, a couple quarterbacks that have carried the load. Say whatever you want. I'm telling you he's a fraud. I continue to believe he's a fraud, and he'll forever be a fraud, especially when he sits there and he talks out of one side of his mouth about certain things, and then he does another. That's who Dabo Sweeney is. That's who he'll continue to be, and I don't feel sorry for him. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, <laughs> would, you compare, would you compare Clemson football to Gonzaga basketball? That's my, the only difference is obviously Dabo's won a couple championships. Right. So, like, that's, 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 the, that's the difference, obviously. But Gonzaga, again, very, very good team led by a couple very good players. They play in the worst league of all time, so they're always going to be in it. They're always going to win the maximum number of games one can win because you play in a trash division. Well, Conference, in this case. Listen, when it comes outside of the Big Ten and, and – and that's even pushing it in besides the SEC, all the conferences don't stack up to those two. So, I mean, like to say, to, to compare the West Coast Conference in basketball to the ACC seems seems a little bit of a stretch. That seems a little bit of a stretch considering the ACC has won. Um, Florida State won a championship in the past decade, and then Clemson's won two. So they've won three out of the last 10 championships, right? So that seems a little bit of a stretch to call it yeah. the worst conference in, 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 the, in the country. It's it's uh, outside the pack, I guess. Then we're getting into the the. There's only five of them, so uh, you could, I I would argue that the pack and the ACC. I I think the ACC is is the worst of the Power Five. Yes, I do. In fact, I I'd almost guarantee it. But that's here nor there. Um, super chat, Chi Town Real Estate coming right back for you. Said good morning. I love you. Reed nominated me as the number one chatter. Thanks again. Um, thank you, Chi Town. Appreciate that. I, I guess to a certain extent, here's here's we'll see. The beautiful thing is they play the games, don't they? We get to find out. I think Florida State's actually pretty damn good at football. I think Florida State's a pretty damn. I could good be wrong. Team. I could I be really good team. Uh, I think Florida State has guys. I think Florida State has guys that are going to get drafted in the NFL. I think Florida State's quite frankly probably going to roll through that league. Maybe there's a hiccup. I guess I would put the caveat out there that if there's their sixth year quarterback, everyone wants to make fun of uh, all these six year COVID guys. I mean, they got a guy that's 20, 25 years old. How, how old, dig up, how old is Florida State's quarterback? That's part of it, too. Quite frankly, that helps. You got a veteran out there that's played six years of college football. You're probably going to beat most teams that don't have that. I'm telling you, Florida State, take it to the bank. I, I, I actually, can we get those betting odds? I'd love to know that before the show's over. I want to know. 25. Uh, what, 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 what's their betting odds to make the college football playoff? Let's see. Hold on. Chris Winky, is that is that how you pronounce that? Winky or Winky? It's a QB. Oh no! Tell me you're not telling me that's who the quarterback is right now. Who is it? Chris Winky, put the camera back on me. It is definitely not Chris Winky. Elliot Rearing just pulled out the Google search of Chris Winky. That's. Can you believe that? Jordan Jordan, Jordan Travis. Travis. There is there is a plethora of people that are watching this show he's, right now that should get a good laugh out of that. He's 23 years old. I mean, this is what we're dealing with right now inside the studios. Listen, I, I, I Googled it. The, Chris first, thing that, the first thing that shows up is Chris Wanky. I'm sorry if I don't know Florida State's roster. Listen, listen. When, when Trace puts me on the spot like that, that's what comes up. And if you don't like it, you can you can come at Google. Google. I, 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 maybe there's two Chris Wankies. You're going to bet against two having two Chris Wankies in this universe? Sorry, I didn't watch that one. <laughs> Isn't Jordan Travis like the second best odds to win the Heisman yeah, going into the season? That's my bad. Uh, I had a mental lapse. Man. I had a mental lapse. What do you want me to do? You win some, you lose some. In that case, I, I lost it all. Lost it all. What am I looking up now? Bedford? 
He, for what it's like, worth, he's like Chris Wanky's 51. Odds. Chris Wanky. Chris Wanky's Chris Wanky, born July 31st, 1972. That's kind of old. He was drafted 106th overall in the 2001 NFL Draft. <laughs> that Chris Wanky. Um, all right. Hey, we'll, he was we'll the oldest. Dunking, he was the yeah. oldest player to ever win the Heisman. So that's what came up. <laughs> Shout out to me. For what it's worth, guys, you guys were just telling me how the ACC is the worst college football conference out of the Power Five. In the past decade, they've had five teams compete for a national championship. Guess how many Pac-12 and Big 12 have had combined in the past decade? Just one team. So let's, let's, let's pump the brakes on the ACC slander. How many of those were outside of Clemson? One, Florida State. Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the Pac-12 has had one, and the Big 12 has had zero in the past decade. Big 12 just had TCU. Oh, okay, two. Sorry. I was thinking Oregon and TCU. Okay. All right. Uh, You guys did college football picks, right? That's right. You did? Yeah. That's That's right. right. Um, Are we going to run through those now? How are we doing this? I didn't make any picks last week. I I, I presume that uh, Tom did make picks? Tom did make picks. Okay. So then I, I am going to, uh, I guess, just cheat and come on a different week. And then, I don't know. Maybe you guys make me pick one extra game for like five weeks in a row. And then uh, that's, that gets me back to even or not. Yeah, I think that's, well, that's, what, that's, that's what we're going to have to do. There's okay. seven games that you have to make up. So Seven games that have to make up. So you guys have to pick one extra game for seven weeks. They, luckily, they play more than seven weeks in the, uh, in the NCAA football season. So that's, a good, that's the good news. Um, well, do you want to do those picks now? Is that what we're doing? I guess that's what we're doing. All right. Uh, the first game that we picked was Stanford versus Hawaii. Um, Stanford covered. Uh, I do not have the score right in front of me, but I do know that they covered. Go Cardinal. Um, the trees. Trees. It, it is, is Stanford, obviously, their head coach left. Um, 37-24. Thank Go you. Cardinal. Good for Stanford, I guess. I don't know. Is Hawaii even relevant anymore? They're 0-2. Were they ever? Hawaii yeah, I don't think they were definitely relevant ever. at least at one point. Do you remember? They made a they made the Sugar Bowl one year. Um, oh, what was that quarterback's name? Yeah, he passed away. R.I.P. though. God, what was his name? Go he on. He did. But somebody will know in the chat. All right, what's the next game? The next game we had, Colorado versus TCU. Mm. We had some prime believers, Elliot and I. What the chat take on that? We don't know? We didn't I, do the chat. Yeah, we didn't the do the chat. chat. Mm. Chat got they got off the hook. All right, and then uh, I stand by that pick. By the way, Tennessee, Virginia versus Tennessee. Uh, that was that was a tough. That was tough a tough one. To system didn't do us well on that. No, Virginia. By the way, keep a note. Anytime we get a system play and we bring up Virginia, Virginia last year two times. I do remember this. Two times they burned me. Somehow, some way, somebody in Vegas loves Virginia football. You shouldn't love them back because they're not very good. The Cavs were one quarter away. They were just so close. Right. They needed to play five. I mean, there's some teams that we just don't bet on because they burnt the system too Yeah, so much. now they're, they're on the dead yeah, list. I'm, never, the dead I'm list. never touching Virginia again. Yeah. yeah, they're on my dead list too. They were close. Yeah. So then next we had OSU versus Indiana. Wow, the Buckeyes. Mm. Yeah, that was – that was a tough one. Uh, um, I don't think they covered. They did not. Not not at all. Is there anything crazier than, than, than big-time college football program fans? I mean, they all – you know what they are. They're Alabama's, yeah. Ohio State's, Georgia's. I mean, these the, – the, you want to talk about bad Twitter? You want to talk about toxic Twitter? And by Twitter, I mean X. 
Um, I I tell you what, you can't win. You can't win either. The, the, somebody somebody's mad because this person's not playing good enough or that plays good enough. I've gotten to the point now where I'm actually on Reed's side about all of this. It, Reed Reed has said for the longest time that it's just got to be just incredibly frustrating to have to root for these programs, and I'll let him expand on what he means by that. But it just it's a little overwhelming sometimes when you have the first game of some guy's career. And by the first quarter, the guy stinks. He's terrible. Like, what What exactly is the McCord kid supposed to do? I guess he's supposed to throw for 500 yards like Sanders' son. But outside of that, what would have what, what could have he done to made you happy? It's his first time ever playing college football. He's probably not going to look unbelievable. I'm just telling the Buckeye fans that are over the edge about this kid, back up a little bit. Relax. I mean, so Fortunately, they play in the Big Ten. I mean, if you play in the Big Ten, you don't have to play that many big-time meaningful games. You'll have plenty of time to... <laughs> to ramp up until they play the big-time game against Michigan. Some perspective, too. They missed out on Marvin Harrison Jr. He got hurt midway through the game. Yeah, I did so. see that. How, do we uh, – is – chat, can you give us an update on Marvin Harrison Jr.? Here, here's the thing that I've always said about college football and its fandom that is – I just can't come to grips with. I can't understand whatsoever. Ohio State played an in-conference rival. They won by three scores. Rival's a tough word, but go ahead. I just conference rival, whatever. It's a team that you play in your conference. They won by three scores, and the fans collectively had a terrible time. No fun was had by Ohio State fans. They beat a team the first week of the year, a guy making his debut in conference. They won by three scores, and people did not have fun. You did not enjoy watching that game. And you know you didn't. You Ohio State fans, you know you didn't. And that's just, that's a that's college football fandom as a whole. That seems terrible. That doesn't seem a whole lot of fun. That doesn't seem like a whole lot of fun. If I sat down and I watched the Cubs and I and I was like, man, they didn't win this game enough. Or if I sat down and watched the Cincinnati Bengals this week and they played the Browns, who have been terrible for two weeks, and I'm sitting here going like, man, we only won by a field goal. One on the last second field goal. That wasn't fun. What's the point of being a fan? No, That's not well, fun. It's a little different. When you're talking about college football, and you and I have, have openly been against the, the lack of parity in the sport, when you're playing a dog water team, and again, I say this with all due love and respect, to uh, Indiana, I mean, it's a bad football program. So when you have 10 points against them at halftime, you're up by seven points at the half when you're a national title contender, it's going to be a frustrating day. Marvin Harrison, two passes for 18 yards, two catches for 18 yards. Not a great day. It was an object. It was a bad game. I don't know. Like, like that's okay if you if you say it's a bad game. Well, like I just I I don't understand what's fun about that. Like I don't understand about what's fun about, and maybe I will at some point about rooting for a team that when you win by three scores you didn't have fun. What's the point of sitting down and watching the watching your favorite team play if they win by three touchdowns yeah, and Reed, you're just like, oh, that was terrible. Reed, but this is literally how the sport works, which is That's why, what I'm saying. Which is, why I'm, which is why I'm not a huge fan of college football because – We're on the same they, page. It, okay, then we're on the same page because Kirk Herbstreet and the college football committee – shout out Kirk Herbstreet, who I know is, is out there making his picks for the college Never football committee Never been on the committee, committee but year. go ahead. Yeah, Kirk Herbstreet, shout out. Uh, when he looks at this game next year for his little TV show – and he says, oh, Ohio State only scored 23 on a bad Indiana team. They look terrible. It, it's a knock against them. I don't think it's great. I don't, uh, it's not good for the sport, but that's how it is. So, yeah, you have, to, you have to be a little upset that you only beat Indiana by 20 points when you're a 30-point favorite. It's, it's just silly. It's how it works. It's goofy. It's, it's, a very, it's an objectively goofy sport that that's what we're doing here. 
I, I see it both ways. I think that you could collectively say as Ohio State fans you're disappointed, but I just see too many. Maybe 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 you shouldn't you shouldn't uh, use the X app as a way to judge what most fans think because it's probably a bad place to be uh, when it comes to overreactions. However, my main point to college football in general is this: Ohio State in general are, is going to be fine. They have a new quarterback. I'd venture to say I'd give them a little bit of time before you suggest that you got to bring somebody else in. Maybe maybe a couple games. I don't know. That's here nor there. CJ with the Super Chat says, Great event on Saturday. Lots of buzz on how great the event was from a lot of people. CJ, I don't know if you're lying or if that's just a bit or not, but thank you. Hopefully we can get some more people at the rest of them, though. I know that. We need some more people. Yeah. UC football, um, certainly on the rise. You see football look great. Don't know if that was a reflection of EKU or if it was a reflection of Satterfield, man. Maybe he's a guy. Maybe he's the next coming. I don't know about that. He could be. I'll tell you what, I've never seen UC football score so many points in my life. I personally haven't. People are saying Emory Jones could be a could be a sleeper for the Heisman this year. Nobody's There's, saying that. A lot of people are That's saying what it. I'm hearing. Nobody. That's what I'm hearing. A lot of people that are saying it. That was the buzz it. at the bash. Fourth. He's fourth. He's the fourth best quarterback right now. They played a good, strong competitor in Eastern Kentucky, a, a storied franchise, a storied program, and they took it to him. It was 66 to God knows whatever they had, 10, 13. doesn't matter. UC scored 66 points. So, yeah, UC's all the way back. It's just it, – it, these these preseason, these first games of the year, it's just, it's just hard to get up for because UC's so much better. UC is not even, like, close to a great program right now. They, I mean, they just dog-walked Eastern Kentucky University, one of the many directional Kentucky universities they have out there. And it's just sad. It, it's really sad. So Eastern Kentucky, uh, cash your $1 million check that we paid you to come visit our university and uh, take an L next week, too. Is there, a, is there a Western – obviously, there's a Western Kentucky, but is there a yeah. Central Kentucky? There's oh, Northern there's, Kentucky. There's Northern Kentucky. There's Northern Kentucky. There's, so, so we're missing North. Southern Kentucky and we're missing Central Kentucky. Yes. They don't have those. That, those don't exist, right? If they do exist, what's the point? Well, I think like, Southern Kentucky is just Kentucky. Yeah, right? could be. Could Southern be. Kentucky is just the University yeah. of Kentucky. Or Western Kentucky is the farthest Kentucky. South Kentucky <laughs> school. Hmm. It's right on the state line. Remember when EKU's head football coach left to coach at high school? <laughs> their, their head football coach left to come coach at Moeller? That was like three years ago. That's tough. That's tough. Tough look, scene. Tough look on a Division One program. Tough Dude, scene. FCS program. A lot of people are saying it's just like Friday Night Lights when Eric Taylor left TMU to come back to Dillon, Texas, and coach the Dillon Panthers again. Mm. Talking about soap operas here. Not a soap opera. On a Not Tuesday. a soap opera. We can continue with the picks because I had a great week with the picks. Sure. Let's continue with the picks. Let's Thanks. get back to it. Elliot thinks that he did well, so he wants to continue to talk about it. Uh, West Virginia University versus Penn State. Clean Penn sweep. State across the board. A good win. Penn State's given 19 and a half. Final score. What is it here? 38-15. What were you, were you getting ready to say 15 to 38, Casey? Correct. I mean, Casey, get it Casey, together, we brother. Stop that. I mean, God. Casey, we got to stop that. I, I'm he, never going to stop that. No, because it's not, it doesn't even make sense. In American sports, you read the winning team first. The only sport where this doesn't apply is soccer. Is soccer. So unless you want to do a, another 25-minute segment on FCC right now, we're going to read that score correctly. Casey, what was the final score? 
Um, well, I'm reading it right off that board right now, and it says 1538. I don't know why they wouldn't put the winning team first. If that's because the case. they're the home yeah. team, Casey. The home team comes I second. Know. I mean, you you guys say that's what the English language is supposed to be. I, Not the English language. It's just uh, it's just it's just how we do it in America. Okay. This well. isn't soccer. They score points here. I don't know, man. Go ahead. I I mean I yeah I got to be honest. I've never heard anyone uh, over a course of time mention the lower score first as much as Casey McAllister, but maybe he's onto something. He could be on something. I don't know. Uh, UNC played South Carolina, the Gamecocks. And uh, unfortunately, it did not go well for the Gamecocks. No. Shane Beamer making excuses again. I don't know if you've seen it, but uh, Shane Beamer's out here blaming their loss on the chain gang, eating hot dogs, not having stats. It's a sad scene down there. It's a sad scene for the Gamecocks. Are there programs, if we're being completely honest right now, that are just death traps in college football? Where the program, the fan base, the state believes they should be something that they're really probably never going to be again. Maybe you could say that Steve Spurrier led them down a path that's just not really obtainable, which is relevancy in South Carolina. I guess if Clemson's going to fall off the way that they are going to now with Dabo Sweeney being a fraud, maybe South Carolina can get a little bit better. But I'll tell you what, it is amazing to me that Shane Bieber is now in the hot seat, uh, hot seat three years in again. I just don't know if uh, I don't know if it's something even worthwhile to discuss about the Gamecocks. But nonetheless, what a win for the um, ACC! Yeah, the ACC. There you go. Good job, Reed. Right yeah. back on track. Uh, LSU and Florida State. I'm going to have to tell Elliot. He's going to have to pull the plug on his computer. It's the most distracting thing I've ever seen in my life. What? Just just pull the HDMI cord what? out of there. There you go, brother. I was, trying to, I was trying to find a video for the program. <laughs> Which is fine. but it, That's fine. Just do it on your computer and send it in to the program. Okay. All right. <laughs> right. All right. Anyways. My bad. Hand up. Hand up. I'm LS, disrupting the whole L program. LSU, you, you guys were all buyers into Brian Kelly outside of Casey. I, well, I, first off, Trace, I believe that FSU definitely can make the college football playoff, just like you were saying. Um, they got some dudes. Defensive line. Defensive line. That receiver's 6'7". And the, the quarterback, Travis. Um, I can't remember what his name is. Travis, whatever. He, he's like yeah, the third best or fourth best odds for the Heisman. So, yeah, that team's good. No, their defensive line is great. Uh, they can get to the quarterback. You can get to the quarterback, you can win football games. It's a pretty simple sport, if we're being honest. If you can block for the quarterback and you can get to the quarterback, then your team's good. If you have a quarterback after those two things are done, then you can be really good. Outside of that, God's honest truth, that's literally the game. <laughs> yes. uh, and and yeah. it's sad, but we can make it as much as complicated as we want. We can make it as, uh, as fun and entertaining and discuss who can do what or what team can do this. If you can get to the quarterback and you can protect the quarterback, you're a good football team. If you can do those two things and you have a good quarterback, then you're a great football team. Glad I just broke down football in a nutshell. Thank you. All right. That was the final. Uh, final game. Got another game no, here? No, I just wanted to uh, say what the, the records were. Well, what do we got? Elliot, four and three. Tom, two and five. Reed, three and four. Mm. Myself, four and three. Damn, Tom's off to a bad start again. Yeah, you know, tough. Tom got Tom got down in the gutter last year, and then he came back. Came he made, he, he, came made a, he made a roaring comeback. I don't think it ultimately ended up being the uh, the, 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 the winner. He did not not he did not accomplish the top of the mountain, but he did make a comeback. Hopefully, he doesn't dig that hole again. 
Real quick, Casey, I sent you a DM. This is what I was looking up on the computer when Trace yelled at me. Here we go. Um, but I, 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 this was the, this was Mac Brown after the game, South Carolina, North Carolina. There was a, uh, I believe they went for the friendly handshake, and I believe Beamer went away, and and Mac Brown drug him right back by the throat. It was one of the most preposterous things I've ever seen. But here's two grown men getting choked out. There they are. They go, oh, oh, why don't you come back? Let me grab you by the neck. <laughs> now, I'll be honest. I've saw, I didn't see the video. Yeah, I saw the screenshot, and the screenshot looked way worse than the video. <laughs> Perceives like I thought he was full-blown Undertaker choke slamming him. But no, it's just a friendly, come on back here. Just a friendly choke. Just a friendly, just a friendly choke. choke. We've all been there. We've all done that. Just like, hey, Elliot, come here. I love how Sean in the chat says I'm bringing up. Listen, Georgia's football schedule is going to get brought up more times than not on the show because obviously when you're a fan of a team that doesn't play anybody, that get, that's what's get brought up. I get it. The reason that some of the reason that Georgia has a bad schedule is because they had to, they had to go uh, fire sale. For those that don't know, they had a home and home with Oklahoma. They had a home-and-home home with Oklahoma, the team that won 73 to nothing. That's who they were supposed to play. But since Oklahoma and Texas are joining the SEC, the SEC said they weren't allowed to play those teams, and that's why you are where you are now. Um, to be fair, I get it. I understand the concept of it, but that's the truth. That's why, God's honest truth, that's why Florida State and Georgia more likely are going to make the college football playoffs because they don't play enough teams that can beat them. They just don't. We'll see. We'll see where it ultimately ends up going. All right. Uh, the NFL is right around the corner. Mm. The National Football League, just two days away. The Chiefs got a little bit of their own problems, right? There's some, there's some issues going down there in Kansas City. Is it that big of a deal? Do we think it's that big of a deal? They play in two days. They're not going to have one of their best defensive tackles. Do we – I guess are we – are we thinking that's a big deal, or are we just saying, ah, it's probably whatever. He's going to come back eventually, and at the end of it, it's not going to matter. If there was any evidence for that well, winning solves all problems, it is the Kansas City Chiefs. Because objectively, no franchise is making more questionable moves in the NFL right now. First off, they, they, they lock up their franchise quarterback to a team-friendly deal. And then you're thinking, well, you got this team-friendly deal. You can keep all these these tools, all these pieces. But no, they're all gone. Just bye-bye, bye-bye, bye-bye. And Chris Jones, who is one of, if not the best, defensive tackle, interior tackles, defensive players in the league, he, he said he's not going to play until he gets a deal. And the Chiefs seem very steadfast, and they're not going to give him a deal. So like, like, like I was alluding to, if it wasn't for the winning that the Chiefs were doing – the fan base would be the most pissed in the NFL. But like we said, I mean, they, they win a Super Bowl. So, I mean, what can you do? I mean, you just, just got to trust the, the system. Trust yeah. the process. Yeah, I think it's an issue. I mean, it's certainly an issue. It's not a good look, especially for the other guys in the locker room. I think, I mean, again, like Reed said, it doesn't matter in the large scheme of things yeah, just win. because you have Patrick Mahomes and you win Super Bowls. But it does matter a little bit. I think this is a team that lacks wide receiver depth. I don't think the running back room's great, even though Pacheco was very good last year. Uh, I, I think this is this is not going to be the same Chiefs team that you've seen win two Super Bowls. I think they're going to take it back down a notch. I could be wrong. I could be very wrong. But at the end of the day, right now, the roster is flawed other than Patrick Mahomes. So Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. So I don't know. We'll see what happens to the Chiefs. It's a tough division. I think I think I think the NL or not the NL. Uh, my goodness. AFC West. AFC West. Baseball. 
Um, I think the AFC West is, is tougher than people give it credit for. I don't I think agree. the Raiders I are. I don't think the Raiders are a slouch. I don't think the Broncos are a slouch, and we know what the Chargers can be. So I think the Chiefs are, could be in some trouble early on. Yeah, here here's some interesting tidbits here about this Chiefs roster. I'm gonna list out the starting defensive linemen, and you tell me if you know any of these names: George Karloftis, Derek yeah. Nani, Tereshawn Wharton and Mike Dana. They're missing like two or three of their guys that they had throughout their championship run. I don't know, guys. I think it's a lot bigger of a deal than what people are making out to be. And on top of that, if you want to just look at the first eight games, because he said he was going to sit out for eight weeks, they play the Lions, who got Jameer Gibbs. They've got a good offensive line. they got a good running attack. The Jaguars, they got a pretty good offense. Came down the wire in the playoffs last year. Got the Bears, fidget spinner. You got the Jets. Don't know about the Jets. They don't have a very good offensive line. But then the Vikings, they have a pretty good rushing attack too. Then they play three AFC West opponents back to back to back. Broncos, Chargers, Broncos. That's really tough. And then you're only getting them back for the harder part of your season. Like you're just making the the first part of your season more difficult than it needs to be. Um, that's a It's I think it's a lot bigger of a deal than it is. Uh, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if it went eight weeks, though. I do, I do think that uh, the longer it goes, the more and more the, the, there's a good chance that the player has leverage if the team starts losing. And if the team keeps winning, then the player loses leverage. That's how it goes. Um, Nick Mormon in the chat says, Rossini from the Mothership Station reported that <coughs> Jefferson, Burrow, Boza, and Jones all have imminent contracts. Whether that's true or not, we'll find out. It does seem kind of wild. And I'm not gonna, we're not going to go down this path again today. It does seem wild that we're getting ready to play some football games and there is not some contracts that have been completed by now. It's a wild thing. It's crazy. In fact, I think that when you look back on it, if it doesn't get done and you have a little bit of, you know, you take the blinders off on everything on it, it's just like I cannot believe that it's even this close to the first snap and there's not something done. Maybe there's something done. Maybe there is something done and they're just waiting for whatever reason, to announce it because of distractions or this, that, and the other, and that's the way that the, they want to go about it. But I still think it's wild. Um, all right. The Lions and the Chiefs obviously play here on Thursday night. The Bengals head to Cleveland. They are two-and-a-half-point favorites. I think the Bengals are in a spot now where, quite frankly, you don't know what you're getting, right? You don't know what you're getting. That's where the NFL is a weird sport where week one – there's going to be a surprise. Someone's going to play really, really well. Whether it's a fluke and, you, and it rides out to the rest of the season or if it's a fluke and it doesn't ride out for the rest of the season, I don't know. But somebody that you thought was good or you thought was going to be good is going to get smashed on Sunday. That's right. And somebody that you think's bad is going to probably be like, wow, maybe they are a lot better than we thought. I don't know what those sleepers are. You had mentioned, Reed, that everybody's got the same two sleepers, which begs the question – are they sleepers anymore? I don't know. Pittsburgh's one of them, and the other one is? The Detroit Lions. Yeah, if you look up any anybody talking NFL football, they, they have one of two sleepers. They say, don't sleep on this team. The Detroit Lions. Preseason projected to win nine and a half games. It, don't sleep on this team. 
the Pittsburgh Steelers preseason selected to win nine and a half games. Like, what are we doing? Like, if everyone pick is picking the same teams, can they be sleepers anymore? Like, if you want to be bold, say the Arizona Cardinals are going to win nine games. Like, go, go out on a limb. Don't say that these good rosters, you know, the, the Steelers who won nine games last year, the Lions who won nine games last year, don't let these teams, don't go out and say like, yeah, these teams might be good when they were both competing for a playoff spot last year. Like, that's, that's not that bold of a take. And everyone's having the exact same take. So, yeah, I mean, what are we doing? I got a bold, I got some bold takes. Let's go. Atlanta Falcons. Many of you guys know that, how I feel about them. I think they're, they're right there um, with any of those teams. And then the Saints. I think they, uh, the NFC South is a lot better than it was last year. I mean, it's not hard to be much better than they were last year. Right. But you're getting, getting Derek Carr a comparable – you know, top 15 when he's playing healthy quarterback for the Saints team is a big boost. And then, you know, Desmond Ritter, I think he's, I think he can, he can turn a corner here. I don't know. Really like both those teams to do something this year. I think Desmond Ritter's horrible. And I say that with <laughs> love and respect. I just don't, I mean, I, I, I watched him in college. Sometimes the game doesn't translate. I don't think it's going to translate. I think the best, the best scenario for the Atlanta Falcons is that Desmond Ritter throws 10, 10 to 15 times a game. That's the best case scenario for them. And if that's the case, they could, they could surely have a successful season. But as of right now, I don't, I don't see it in Desmond Ritter. Could I be wrong? Yeah. Uh, but I don't think so. I don't he, think I am. He certainly doesn't elevate the team, right? I mean, when, no. when, when he was coming out, that was the one thing about Desmond Ritter is no one was saying, like, this guy could be explosive. This guy can really add to an offense. It was more of, uh, this guy has won a lot of games in college. He's uh, he's big. Yeah, he looks like an NFL quarterback. Yeah. That, that, that's basically the scouting report on Desmond I mean, Ritter. If you can't beat out Marcus Mariota week one for the job, I, I, I can't help you. I mean, Marcus Mariota is not very good. So he was a rookie. I, I don't, huh? He was a rookie. It does, I mean, do you want to win football games or do you not want to win football games? Because that's if you want to win football games – I mean, I, rookie or not, I mean, that, he, you're he won the best. football. He won football games when he started, so I don't, I don't know what the argument there is. Oh, but I don't think he's good. I mean, I, yeah. I, I, if we're going to go back in the Desmond Ritter pool right now, I'll look up the stats for the games. But I'm pretty sure he didn't throw more than 20 times in any of those games. Well, they're a running base team. I know, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if if you want to say he's okay, he's he's a competent quarterback. If you want to say he's like. I don't know, Jimmy Garoppolo, just a game manager, a guy who's not going to win you yeah, a game. That's yeah, that's, 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 that's all I'm saying. That's all I said. I think Jimmy Garoppolo gets a lot of shade for a guy that won a lot of football games. Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo, if we're being honest, I think is, is in a position now where it would not shock me in the slightest if the Raiders are actually pretty damn good. And Jimmy Garoppolo is a part of the reason is why they're good. I Am I overreacting and thinking that Jimmy Garoppolo has been the most underrated quarterback in the NFL in the last 10 years? It feels like everybody always just acts like he's just whatever, like, oh, there goes Jimmy Garoppolo again. Oh, he's just he's just one game away from the Super Bowl again. Or there goes Jimmy Garoppolo's winning 10, 11, 12 games in the NFL. The NFL's hard league to win in, and Jimmy Garoppolo's done nothing but win, 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 and win. I get he's on good teams. I get all that. But at the same time, at some point, the guy's got to get his flowers. And I think that we could all at least admit, if he wins a little bit with the Vegas Raiders, we can at least give him his flowers finally. Can we finally give this guy his flowers? I'm kind of with you, Elliot, a little bit on, uh, on Ritter. I wasn't high on Ritter coming out. But at the same time, to Casey's point, if that team's so damn good everywhere else, they did add, and I know you guys want to make fun of it, but they did add a really good running back, and they can run the ball. Then they can keep the games close. They might be able to win, you know, what do you, they might be the Milwaukee Brewers of the NFL. 
That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. I don't think by, – and by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo, I think he is a good quarterback. I, like, if, you, if, you're, if you're an NFL franchise and you have most of the other pieces, you have a good defense, you have a great running back, de- or, there's not a better quarterback available probably to you than Jimmy Garoppolo. He's going to game manage perfectly. But I, I think there's – like, if you, if, you give, if you put Jimmy Garoppolo on the, on the current Kansas City Chiefs, I don't think he's going to win many football games. I think that's the difference. I think you look at Sky Moore, you look at Marquez Valdez-Scantling as your one and two wide receivers – you're going to have an issue if you're Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's been blessed with a, with a plethora of talent the past several years in San Francisco, and I don't think he's he would I don't think he'd be as successful as he was without that team sp- specifically. Yeah, could be wrong. Yeah, I mean Jimmy G is is what he is. I mean he's he's a guy that once again isn't going to elevate your team by any facet, but I certainly certainly wins games in the NFL, and that's that is nothing to knock at. I mean he's played on great rosters. But he's won games. When you see the line, uh, chat, be honest. I want the people in this room that love the Cincinnati Bengals, which is everybody outside of your boy here. Um, and you see the line, two and a half. Is it worrisome? What's the what's the theory there? I mean, are the Browns good? Is it just because they play the Browns and they don't play the Browns all that well? Is it because, I guess you could argue, it's the NFL and all the spreads are close? It definitely feels like a trap, and maybe we're overreacting, and perhaps the Bengals just went out there and they smashed the Browns at its easiest money ever made known to mankind. But there's just something weird about this line being under three. Am I right in that assessment? What's the thought on the line? Yeah, the difference, the difference is, uh, I mean, if you're looking at lines in the NFL this week, there's only one, one spread in the NFL that's above a touchdown. Um, besides that, it's they're, they're divisional teams. It's a team that the Bengals haven't had a whole lot of success, and that's because of the matchup is, is, is bad for the Bengals. They're dealing with a quarterback who hasn't had a single snap um, in preseason this year who has been hurt, and they're, they're working with a new left tackle, um, and that's where the Browns' is strongest part of their game is. It's their pass rush, and that's why the Browns have had the, the Bengals' number over the past few years. It's just it's been a very good – pass rush and the Bengals haven't had a whole lot to do with it and they're on the road and I know it's you can poke holes at the old adage that you know it's worth a field goal when you're at home you can poke holes in that all you want but it's shown to be true in the NFL so I mean if they're at home then this game is probably a four and a half to five point spread but because it's up in Cleveland that's why it's two and a half it's moved a point in the past few days Ever since Joe Burrow came back. So since 2015, I have this stat in front of me, and this is going to be a sad stat if you're a Bengals fan, which I am. Uh, underdogs in Week 1 divisional games, 26-12-1, 68.4% underdogs win those games outright since 2015. Home dogs in Week 1 divisional games, 10-2 since 2015. So, I mean, if you're, if you're looking to gamble on this game, I mean, certainly the odds would probably be in favor of the Browns at this point, especially a team that has had the Bengals number since Joe Burrow has uh, been a part of this franchise. What is Joe Burrow? Has Joe Burrow won week one yet? When we won the, when we won the Super Bowl, who'd we play week one? Because his, 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 his yeah, debut we, we, was we against the, the Chargers. Vikings. Vikings. We beat the Vikings. We beat the Vikings. That's right, in right. overtime. Yep. That's right, I was at that game. Um, and then last year, obviously, lost to the Steelers. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's a divisional game and a tough division. But he has yet to beat the Browns. He has yet to beat the Browns. He, we beat he, the Browns. He beat, he beat the Browns, yeah. Did he beat the Browns? Yeah, the second yeah. game. Yes, he did last year. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking of the – went to a pulp. Okay. They had no receivers. He literally beat the Browns with, with, Trent, with, Taylor. with, with Trent Taylor as his number one. Trent Taylor went to the house. Yeah. Um, Shout out Ben. So, yeah. He got that monkey off his back, which was a ridiculous monkey in the first place. Let's be honest. Anybody with a brain wasn't 
wasn't really overly thinking this whole Joe Burrow can't beat the Browns. I think it's just a situation where, quite frankly, the Browns, like it or not, I don't know why it's always this thing. I get they stink. Casey's going to say they stink. I think the Browns are a pretty damn good team. I Whether yeah, they whether they, whether they play up to their ability. Say it again? <laughs> they, they've shown it over the past two decades. They've been a great franchise. They're, they're a pretty good team. You're right, Trace. You're right. They just keep they just keep winning. You, I mean, you what can a, you say? You I mean, need they to just change, win ball games. You need so to change what Browns. you're saying to not that they're a great team. They have a great roster. Yeah, they've got a good roster. They have a great roster. And I don't think anyone would deny that. But to say that they're a great team, I don't I don't think they've proven that. But again, the I think the line is also at minus two and a half because of Denzel Ward being questionable. I don't know if he plays, it moves up or moves down. I don't I don't quite know what that looks like either, but not having Denzel Ward's a huge deal. And quite frankly, I don't think Vegas really knows what this offensive line is going to look like with Orlando Brown at left tackle and Jonah Williams yeah. at right. That's still kind of an unknown of what that'll look like against Miles Garrett and Sedavius Smith or something like that. The, he's he's a pretty good pass rusher last year, but you get the point. I think that there's a lot of unknown going into this game. New defensive coordinator for the Browns. I think that's why it's so... Low. The the Bengals haven't been good. Joe Burrow, especially, has not been good to start the year. Right. Since he's come in the league, he's one in five in the first six weeks or first two weeks of of his career. Lost the first two games in his rookie season. Lost the first two games last year, and then went one and one in, in in the year that they went to the Super Bowl. So he's one in five and starts in the first two weeks. So that's if you're reading the lines, that's why is because the the Bengals haven't shown anything to show that. They start out hot. It normally takes them a couple weeks to get the wheels underneath them, get, get the team rolling, and they've been the most dangerous team in November and December over the past few seasons. I think the difference with the Browns, though, that nobody really wants to admit is that, and again, it is a big if. It's a, it's a, it is a if. But if Deshaun Watson is anything like the Deshaun Watson of old, they didn't, they've never had a quarterback that good, ever. They've never had a quarterback that good. Now, if you want to sit here and convince yourself that Deshaun Watson's never going to be the guy that he used to be, you might be right. You could be completely right about that. But the difference is, is that if he is not what he was last year, which is a guy that hadn't played football in a couple of years, comes in halfway through the year, didn't get, didn't get uh, OTAs, did not get uh, preseason, didn't get any of that, had to deal with all the controversy of what he did, comes out, and he didn't play great football, understandably. Understandably, I think one reasonable person could understand why Deshaun Watson did not play good football last year. And I wouldn't say he was horrible last year. He just wasn't He just wasn't what he used to be. If he's anything close to what he used to be, and again, I know Casey, and there's probably many of other people that feel the same way, that he's just never going to be that guy again because circumstances have changed. But if he's even close, I'm telling you, the Browns have never had that. That's the difference. They've tried. You've seen the list of names on the back of the uniform a thousand times over. But Deshaun Watson, they paid him a bazooka amount of money because if he is anything close to what he used to be, he will make the Browns good. And I get it. They're the Browns. Flush them down. I understand all that. I get why you would think that. They're like the Lions, right? Right. They're like the Lions. It's like, are we really going to believe that they're good? But at some point, they are good. You know why? Because people used to say the same stuff about the Bengals. Like it or not, that's what they did. Oh, it's just the old measly old Bengals. 
They're going to bungle. But they got a quarterback, and that changed things, didn't it? They got a couple quarterbacks, if we're being honest. Carson Palmer wasn't bad. <laughs> right, Andy well, Dalton wasn't bad. Joe Burrow's just better than the both of them, though. C- comparing the Bengals to the Browns and the Lions is malpractice in the form of, of sports radio, sports talk show, whatever we're doing right here. The Bengals made the postseason five times under Andy Dalton. They made the postseason three times under Carson Palmer. You know how many winning seasons the Browns have had in the past 23, since they became a franchise again? They've had two winning seasons. One year they made the postseason, one year they didn't. What are we talking about? What are we talking? John Kitna, if he was the quarterback for the Bengals for the past 23 years, would have been, the Bengals would have been better than the Browns. What are we talking about? And I don't know the Lions history. It's not good. I know I watch them every Thanksgiving and they ruin Detroit's day every Thanksgiving. I mean, has, has Thanksgiving been a, a favorable day in the city of Detroit for the past 25 years? No. Comparing the Bengals to the Lions and the Browns is just the most, it's the worst take the show has seen, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm no, not, I'm not gonna win the Masters in ten years. I'm not gonna <laughs> sit here and uh, let anyone get away with them comparing the Bengals and the Browns together because the Browns have never won the AFC North. In fact, I don't even think they won the AFC Central when they went to the AFC Central. And on top of that, I think the Bengals in the last twenty years have been in the playoffs more combined than the Steelers. And and the Ravens, both those teams. So I mean, I I don't know. I just think uh, I think it's just malpractice to Thank compare you. them. Thank you. Well, yeah. of course the Bengals fans think it's malpractice. Of course. Well, no, but objectively, I mean, objectively, it's not even close. I mean, it's it's not. It's like comparing an, it's like comparing an apple to like a bag of poo. It's like what you're. It's what you just did there. I mean, it's it's uh, the Bengals objectively have been very good since. 2004. Yeah. So, they both yeah. won the same amount of playoff games until until Mr. Joe Burrow came along is my point. Until Joe Burrow came along, the Bengals were nobody. But you can like, sit here and say they were. You can sit here and try to convince yourself that the Bengals are something outside of sitting in Cincinnati. They weren't. Nobody was scared of the Bengals. They never were. They never have been. Joe Burrow came along. Now they're scared of the Bengals. That's the truth. If you got a quarterback that's elite, Deshaun Watson can be elite. That's my point. Nobody was scared of Andy Dalton's Bengals. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody was scared of Colson Palmer's Bengals. No one was. No one even considered themselves like, oh, man, we got to worry about the Bengals when we have to play them in the AFC Championship game. They never said that. They are never worried about it, ever. Okay, I'm not trying to downplay it. The Bengals are elite because they have an elite quarterback named Joe Burrow. That's the truth. Okay, that's the truth. And Deshaun Watson, like it or not, hate him, love him. Is he, is he a rapist? Is he not a rapist? I don't know. But my point is, he can be a great quarterback. And if he is a great quarterback... You can say whatever you want about the Browns. I'm just here to tell you. Maybe you can make fun of me. But if he plays elite, if if they if Deshaun Watson is considered one of the best quarterbacks in the league, the Browns are going to be right at the top of the division, right at the top of every list that 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 are that that exists when it comes to the postseason and where they can go. Am I going to say they're going to be Super Bowl favorites? I won't go that far. But you're not going to convince me one second that the Browns can't be formidable if they have an elite quarterback, which they have, if he is able to get back to what he used to be. That's the point of the story. Listen, we all we all think that the Browns have a good roster. We're just telling you that the Browns have done nothing to convince you over the past 20-some years. they've never had a quarterback like Deshaun Watson is the point of the story. I don't know how many times i got to say it, but they've never had Deshaun Watson. They've never had him. How many opportunities did they have to get a Deshaun Watson? But they've 20, never had one. 20 Casey. times? How many like, times have the Bengals I mean, had a chance to have Joe Burrow? 
They had Achilles Smith. Look, the Bengals. My the Bengals is, have been. Well, I mean, we're arguing if the Bengals have been better than the Browns. You compare the Bengals to the Browns, and over the past 23 years, I'm getting so high pitched. I think I'm gonna break this damn glass over here because that's how pissed <laughs> off I am right now. That is an absurd assertion, Trace. The Bengals probably won more games in the past two years than the Browns won over a decade, from like 2009 to 2017. To, to compare the two franchises is just wrong. Not subjectively, it's objectively wrong. You are right that if Deshaun Watson is good, he's been a pro bowler every year that he's played a, a full season. If he's good, the Browns have had a great roster. That's why they gave him all the money is that they can be good again. But you to sit here and tell me that the Browns and the Bengals are comparable over the past 23 years is just wrong. You're wrong, mister. That's assault, brother. That's fine. You know what? If you want to convince yourself that, that the Bengals are relevant before Joe Burrow, convince yourself. Go ahead. I'm all for it. I'm not. If listen, you listen. No, I, the, I mean, I, you're taking it all personal because I think you think there's a little bit of the truth. I'm taking it personal because I'm tired of having to defend this. When Joe Burrow was getting drafted, everyone was like, man, you don't want to go to the Bengals. You can't win there. When the Bengals have been a good franchise over the past 20 years. And they, they not have won a playoff been. game. They have been. They, they, they have been. They've won the hardest division multiple times. And, yeah, they had Andy Dalton effing it up in the postseason for five straight seasons. <laughs> and let's yeah, not we had Carson Palmer tear his knee up in 2005 when they won 11-5 and five that season. I'm things not. have happened. Bad things have happened. But to say that the Bengals have been a bad franchise over the past 20 years is just wrong. I'm tired of having to defend it. And I'm not an excuse guy. That's right. But let's get that out of the way. I'm not an excuse That's guy. Right, but two of the Andy Dalton playoff games that we lost, we had no receivers. We had no Andy Dalton who was on his MVP caliber campaign. And we almost beat the Steelers that game. I mean – I don't know. I, I'm not going to sit up here and try to defend this. I'm just trying to Chargers say game was bad. that Chargers that, game was bad. Chargers game was bad. But Chargers I'm, game was bad. All, all I'm going to say Jets were good. is that the Bengals have been relevant. <laughs> it was the AFC Championship that year, the Jets. The Bengals have been relevant. Sanchez. They've been a good team for 20 years. Mark Sanchez, known as a big-time quarterback. Listen, they got to the AFC Championship. <laughs> hey, listen, year. whatever. I did. I, I'm did. all for it. I'm, I'm, listen, Real all quick, I'm saying is Real quick. Let the, let the record state this before these other, these other guys say what they want to say. All I'm saying – is that if you want to sit there and act like they're all the same old Browns, are never going to be good, blah, 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 blah. They have a good roster. I'm not going to convince myself. And Okay, go ahead. But I'm just here to say, if Deshaun Watson is considered one of the top 10 quarterbacks in this league, the Browns are going to be vying for a postseason opportunity. Period. To Casey's point, I'm going to read off the receivers for that Bengals-Colts game uh, in the postseason. That was the famous uh, uh, Andy Dalton pregame speech where he said, let's all do this together. It was one of the worst pregame speeches of all time. Andy Dalton can but fire he, us up? No, he can't. Here's the, receiving, here's the receivers for that game against the Colts. Uh, Giovanni Bernard was the leading receiver, eight catches, 46 yards. <laughs> That's a joke. Ryan Hewitt, Rex Burkhead, Mohamed Sanu all had three catches each, all for around 34 yards. And in fourth, the only other guy to receive a a, a, a completion here, a, a catch, Kevin Brock. What I don't know who Kevin Brock is, but he had one catch for seven yards. What Those was were the final score? What was the what? Final score of that game. Twenty six to ten. And a late. It was a late touchdown by the Colts too. Correct. Well, no, no, no touchdowns in the fourth. It was a third quarter domination. But the point to Casey is that some bad things have, some unlucky things have happened to the Bengals right around playoff time. <laughs> 
Fair. I mean, I, I, I just I don't know what to say other here. Since the AFC North was incepted in 2002, the, Pir- the Steelers have won nine AFC championships. The Ravens and the Bengals have won six. The Browns had won a whopping zero. Hey, yeah. So until they prove, <laughs> until they prove to me that they are not the Browns, I will consider them the freaking Browns. The the biggest thing that that Deshaun Watson has going against him isn't thirty six rape allegations. It's the fact that he puts on a Browns helmet every single Sunday. Yeah. I mean, the Browns. Some teams are worth you, you can the front of your jersey. Sometimes it's worth a win. It's worth like five losses up in Cleveland. I mean, they start the season zero and five. Good luck to Cleveland. I mean, they didn't have they didn't have any good highlights to show for their preseason that they had to show Deshaun Watson, who was standing ten feet in front of this net, throwing a football into the hole, and like, oh, look at our quarterback, he's <laughs> right. so accurate. Right? You know what? You know what? You know what a Cleveland Brown Deshaun Watson highlight tape is? It's him staying far away from a massage parlor. It's making sure he's two hundred and fifty <laughs> feet away from strip malls with massage parlors. That's that's their highlight tape. That's them winning. It's not scoring more points than their opponents on Sunday. It's making sure Deshaun Watson doesn't go to freaking prison. I digress. Let's move on from the Browns. <laughs> That's such tired talk. Seems like the Browns are loved in the studio. Um, just, you know, you point out one thing that they've never had before, and next thing you know, they can't ever win. Browns never can win. And perhaps that might be true. I don't know. I'll tell you who can win is the Cincinnati Reds. Cincinnati Reds are, are I was saying they're trying to tread water. It felt for the longest time they weren't treading water. They were just slowly sinking. Slowly sinking. They were basically five feet, 11 inches deep the other night. Nick Martini, of all people, hits a bomb to tie the game. And then, sure enough, the Reds walk it off, defeat the Cubs, split the Cubs series, and then they win. Somehow, someway, with TJ Antone, a guy that's coming back from two Tommy John surgeries. They win with him as the opener. So for those that don't know what an opener is, it's basically a, a starter that's usually a reliever. They throw a few innings, and then they kind of have a bullpen game and or you throw your traditional starter, if you will, right after that. The Reds are in a position now with COVID. Quite frankly, we have a lot to get into with the Reds that we can discuss. I don't know how we got to this point. I really don't. I watch every single day, but I still wonder to myself, how is this even real? How is this a thing? If you look, if you're into statistics, if you like the analytics, if you look at the expected win-loss record of the Cincinnati Reds, they're supposed to be like 72 and 80 something right now. Yep. Um, it's it's call it a miracle, call it God's plan, call it whatever you want. But the Cincinnati Reds are in a playoff race, and they are chasing what I would think is something that is realistic, which is. Quite frankly, a playoff appearance. It's realistic at this point. Like it or not, the Cincinnati Reds, I know 20% is the number it says, but they have just as good of enough chance as everyone else that they're running up against. I kind of put the Cubs outside of that category at this point. Not that I'm conceding it, but I would say at this point, it's safe to say, now crazier things have happened, of course, the division's locked up. Congratulations to the Milwaukee Brewers. Maybe the Cubs can catch them. Maybe they can't. If the Cubs do catch them, congratulations to them. doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. The only thing that matters at this point for the Cincinnati Reds, in my opinion, is that last playoff spot. 
And they have a couple teams that are there. The Diamondbacks, the Giants, the Marlins. That's it. Are you scared of any of them? Are you really looking around thinking to yourself, okay, one of these, one of these teams that we're, that we're up against, they're really good. It's just a matter of them kind of getting their footing. I don't see it. We hold the tiebreaker over, uh, over two of the three. And I'd like to think of the ones that we don't hold the tiebreaker over, the Giants, maybe, and again, I don't want to jinx this, but I think the Giants have probably the least likely opportunity because of basically who they face and who they play. The Reds have the easiest schedule going forward out of the bunch. They also have the most problems. COVID being number one. I don't know when this became a thing. I don't know why it became a thing. I'm not sure what the concept of testing somebody is. And I get, this is just me being honest. I'm not downplaying COVID. COVID, again, wrecked havoc in this country. It was, it, was, it was obviously a world pandemic for a reason. I'm not turning this into a political situation, and I don't want you to either. I just beg and ask the just simple questions of what's the point of the test? Where did that even come into play? Why test when you don't have to? Do you think you're going to solve something by testing somebody? Because that's worked. Because quarantine has worked in the locker rooms before, said nobody. I don't understand why the first test got implemented. And maybe you can say, Trace, you're going down a path you shouldn't. I'm asking you, and I'm asking everyone else, the same thing that 95% of people are thinking. Whether you want to say it out loud or not, that's fine. I'll say it out loud. Why did they ever get tested? When did this ever become a thing? Why isn't other programs or other teams, I should say, getting tested? Because they don't have to test. Why would you test? I want to know the, the, the idiot, if you want to call him that. Maybe that's too strong of a word. I take it back a little bit. Maybe I don't. I want to know who decided to test Hunter Green. What was the point? Because once you do that, then there is protocol. Then you do have to follow standards. Because if he is positive, then you got to go down this rabbit hole of, well, who were you around? You know the same song and dance. We've done it before. I just, and again, maybe you can say, well, you shouldn't be frustrated. You should just worry about the health and safety. Of course I care about the health and safety of everybody. Of course I do. It's COVID, okay? I understand. We've been dealing with this for, what, three years now? Whatever it's been. This isn't new. We've done this song and dance. It's been made political. It's been made, it's been made not political. It's been turned into what you should do, and it's been turned into what you shouldn't do. We're past it all. We've seen it all. Unless it's some new variant that somehow magically just propped up in the Reds locker room that's the first of its kind, then what's the point of the test? Somebody tell me. I want to know. I, so now the Reds are in a position where, yes, one guy got sick. I understand he was sick. Cool. You're sick. You know what you do? You do the same thing you did about five, ten years ago. You go sit in a room by yourself. Make sure you get, wealthy, you get healthy. And then once you're healthy, well, okay, fine. You can come back to the team. But now you got four different people that are out. Graham Ashcraft's on the IL. The Reds, quite frankly, and I, this is no hyperbole, are legitimately just throwing guys in there in a playoff contention race that have no business being in the major leagues. 
Marriott, God bless his soul, but he's played for like 12 teams the past two years. It's a great story. He was one day away from retiring because his family was going on a trip to Hawaii and he didn't want to miss it. (laughs) The Reds called one day before his family trip to Hawaii, so he decided, you know what, I'm going to take the contract to the Reds, and sure enough, heaven forbid, the guy's throwing two and three innings in a big playoff race for the Cincinnati Reds. That's where we're at. I guess you could say I'm upset because of the test, I'm just upset because it doesn't do anything. I don't understand where it goes. What's it fix? Who's it solve? What problems it fix? It doesn't fix anything. Well, yeah, and, and here's the thing. I, I'm okay with it. And you'll, there's a couple, I have a couple thoughts. Number one is it's maybe not COVID, but they're using the COVID list to maybe give these guys who definitely all caught the flu from the plane when they were stuck on the plane in Arizona. So maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's not COVID, but they're using it to add guys to the roster who can play while these guys are sick, right? That's the only thing I can think of. If they are actually testing for coronavirus in the year 2023, they are the only franchise doing it, and the, and the MLB should have stopped it. I, I, I mean, nobody should, nobody should be testing for coronavirus because nobody is testing for coronavirus. You think anybody in the NFL is going to test for coronavirus this year? No. You think Goodell's letting that happen? No. So I don't know. I don't know where. I don't know where the disconnect was. And again, the only rational thought I can think of is that they all caught the flu, and they needed to put them somewhere. So they put it on the COVID IL, so they can bring up healthy bodies to to run out there. Because like it or not, not everybody can play with the flu. That's the only thing I can think of. If they're actually testing for coronavirus, there's a serious issue here. Because why? What? what and like Trey said, what what are you solving? There's nothing being done. So are you going to just put them on the IL because they have COVID? I don't think so. There has to be something more to this that nobody knows, and that's fine. That's usually how it is with, with professional sports anyway. But this is, I mean, how it's not one of the leading stories in sports, how the only franchise in Major League Baseball who, have, who has placed a test this season, this season, nobody else has had COVID this season in the MLB. And if they did, they didn't report it because why would you? Why, why, why is this not a bigger story? You're, you're destroying playoff chances for a team because of coronavirus. It just doesn't make sense to me in 2023. It makes zero sense to me. To your point, I just uh, maybe it was an epiphany moment. Maybe you brought up an excellent point. Perhaps Hunter Green has got a flu, right? Where, where it is very, he's very, very sick, and they want to stop the spread of that. So for whatever reason, in order for you to be able to not go on a IL stint, right? Mm -hmm. You have to be under the COVID protocol. So that was the way in which the Reds decided they wanted to try to handle that is because if he was able to get healthy relatively soon, he's not on a 10-day IL where he misses two starts. He might only miss one start because of, uh, of the COVID situation. I don't know. Maybe that's what they did. But what they did in return is they shot themselves in the foot because for whatever reason, there's the protocols that exist of who were you around? Who did you see in the last five days? Let's go back and try to connect the dots. There's only five billion people out there that are running around with the same other people. I just, it's amazing to me how such a simple thing, and this is a guy to God's honest truth, you might believe me, you might not. I just don't do the politics thing. I don't. Because I learned at a young age, at least I felt like I learned at a young age, that you just don't get anywhere. 
All you do is you argue with people, you bicker about people, loved ones have a void because of some belief system they have, and then it just turns into some toxic thing that nobody wins with. I don't do the politics. I don't know why COVID, I do know why, but I don't know why anytime COVID gets brought up and you have a rational conversation around whether or not they should test or not test, it turns into a political thing. Oh, you're a left guy, you're a right guy, you're a Republican, you're a Democrat. Can we just be like normal people and think about this rationally for a second? What in the world is it solving? What problem is it actually solving? And the answer is, it's not solving anything. They're just protocols that are put in place because that's the way that corporate America works and you just got to run the roost with it. So what? Hunter Green's sick. Can he not just go on an illness IL thing? Like, I'm assuming you can do that. I just don't know who does. They'll never say it. I'd love to know what person in the Reds clubhouse and or front office and or organization decided, I got an idea. Let's test Hunter Green for COVID. And you know what's crazy? Maybe they gave him two or three or four tests and they all came back positive. If they gave him one test, you know where I'm going with this. Who's to know if it's even right? I don't know. I'm not trying to make like a conspiracy theory out of it. It's just crazy that this is the world we continue to live in. I don't know if it'll ever go away. Maybe it will, maybe it won't. But I thought we were past all this. I really did. I thought it was completely gone. And there it comes back again. COVID. The Reds. Trying to make the postseason for the first time in a couple years. Trying to win their first playoff uh, advancement in playoff history for the first time in, in I can ever remember. And this is what we're dealing with. Fernando Cruz, not available. Why? Well, he was around a guy that had COVID. I don't know. I'm but, not sure where to start with this, but it's, a, it's frustrating beyond belief. And it, what sucks even worse is that the Reds are dealing with actual injuries as well as the COVID, which is, I mean, the fact that the, fact that the Cincinnati Reds are winning baseball games under these circumstances is, is, is preposterous. I mean, it's, this team has no business winning MLB games. Because to be quite honest, like Trace said a little bit earlier, the team isn't an MLB, it's not an MLB roster. I mean, Michael Marriott, all due respect, I have love and I have respect for him. He's not a major league player. Half these guys aren't major league players, but they're up here out of necessity. Necessity. I don't know who the starter was on uh, Sunday. Don't know who that guy was either. But he did, he did okay. He survived it. Like, it's just like, this isn't an MLB team right now. This is, a, this is a AAA roster who's somehow surviving and winning baseball games. Jonathan India. I don't know when Jonathan India, if, he, if, if he's even available to come back at some point. I think he's going to go on a couple rehab starts this week, is what I've at least been told. Matt McClain's done for three weeks. That sucks. So if the Reds were to make the postseason, you'd have Matt McClain back eventually. Graham Ashcraft, who's arguably been the best pitcher in the rotation for two months, three months almost. He's out, foot injury. Jake Fraley has to DH because he doesn't have a toe. He's still been, by the way, Jake Fraley's still raking more than half the lineup right now, which is Jake Fraley hitting clutch doubles and having to be subbed out because he can't physically run is one of the funniest stories I've ever seen in, in, in Major League Baseball. I mean, Jake Fraley just doesn't have toes, active toes. So he, whenever he rips a double, he just has to be taken out for somebody, some guy who can actually run, run the bases. Uh, ben Lively, he's out. Lodolo's done for the season. So you look at you look all around this team, it's just injuries have plagued the roster, plagued them. So if they're able to make the postseason under these circumstances, under what's happened all throughout this year, the craziness of this season, projected 64 wins, 
and now you're looking at a playoff spot, and I'd argue it's more than 20% chance. I think the Marlins are bad. I think the Diamondbacks are sliding. I think the Giants are not great either. Reds have a good chance to make the postseason with a roster that probably wouldn't have a winning record in AAA. So let's go. Let's go win. We're okay right now. Survive this series. And again, Casey is – shout out my guy Casey. I mean, Casey predicted the downfall of the Reds. He didn't predict all these injuries and COVID and everything. He predicted they would lose to start August. He, he predicted the Reds would lose six out of eight series. And then he'd come in September and they'd go on perhaps one of the greatest miracle runs the sport has ever seen. If they're able to somehow win this series against the Mariners, who have been one of the hottest teams in baseball for the past month, they have no excuses to not make the postseason at this point. You're playing the Tigers, bad. You're playing the Cardinals twice, bad. You're playing the New York Metropolitans, who, with respect, have sold their entire roster. They have Daniel Vogelfat. That's the only guy they have left on that team. And you have the Guardians again. The Reds are in a serious spot right now. If you take care of business, if you do your job, if you show up, you're going to the playoffs because you really don't have an excuse to lose any of these series, not one of them, outside of the Mariners series, which, again, if you win, unbelievable. I've pushed. <laughs> don't let them get hot. I've pushed back on Elliot constantly saying about how bad the, the Marlins are, how bad the Giants and the the D-backs are, but I just came across a tweet that uh, these are the, the fewest runs scored since June 25th. Three out of the four teams at the bottom of the list are the Marlins, the D-backs, and the Giants. They're with the Athletics. So they have had the worst offenses over the past two months of the season. And that's who the Reds got to beat out. Yeah, that's why I asked the question, are you scared of any of them? And the answer is, of course, you're not. Um, the, the, the question comes down to whether or not the Reds can get hot for one more week. That's the crazy thing. It just is one more week. It could be this week, but it only takes one week. You got to win five of seven, something like that. Heaven forbid you win six of seven. But if you can just get hot one more time, you're in. And once you're in, we've said it a thousand times on this show, the craziest thing about Major League Baseball, perhaps the most preposterous thing, is that you play 162 games, you turn around, and you play a three-game series for your season. Which I don't love, if we're being honest. I don't love that. Um, but I get why they do it. I understand the concept that, the, that the, uh, the playoffs can't go on forever. This can't be like the NBA, where it's like a three-month postseason. But... It's just frustrating that I guess if you want to have it both ways a little bit here, for a team that was going to get ridiculed for not making the postseason because of poor play for a little while and they had a lot of young guys and they weren't playing all that well, this is an out. We're not, we're not many excuse guys around here. That's right. But this is an out. You could you – could, you could probably make the case that, hey, this team has no business making the postseason. Look at their roster. Look at what they've dealt with. But you know who might just put the team on their back right now? And we've been critical of them. I've been critical of them. It's Tyler Stevenson. If Tyler Stevenson can continue to play the way he's played the last, call it month, definitely the last couple weeks, but let's just say the last month, then this team looks different. That's what it's going to take for them to get to the postseason. People are going to have to overachieve. Hunter Renfro is going to have to step up to the table. Harrison Bader is going to have to make some plays. Ellie De La Cruz, like it or not, he's going to be a roller coaster. I've come to I've come to grips with it. You should come to grips with it too. 
There's going to be some days where he looks like he's the best player on the field. Hell, he's, some days he might look like he's the best player on planet Earth. And the next day it looks like he decides to go up there and swing at whatever random pitches he wants to swing at. And there's other pitches he decides to take right down the middle. And that's just what you got to live with. So, Trace, what do you got? I just have a question for you. How many wins is it going to take for this Reds team to solidify their spot? 14. 14? 14 gets them in. 13's questionable. 12, you're begging. Are you interested in doing some picks for, for the remainder of the, the season? Go ahead. For those that don't know what their schedule looks like the rest of the year, go ahead and put their schedule up there. You can see it, obviously, on your screen. You got two games left with Seattle. You got a three-game set with uh, St. Louis. And you got a uh, another three-game set with Detroit. Then you get into the uh, the Mets with Daniel Vogelfat, as uh, Elliot called him. And then after that, you have Minnesota, who's a good team. And then you have Pittsburgh, Cleveland, and St. Louis to end the year. So as you look through the schedule, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think Seattle, if you, if you told me before the series that you were going to win one against Seattle, I know that people are going to kill me for saying it, but I would have taken it. I would have taken it. And then you have to win the series on there, thereafter, right? So let's just say you got one with Seattle, which is what I think that they ultimately deserve. And then after that, you got two in St. Louis. So that gives you three wins. You got two in Detroit. That gets you four wins. You got two in New York. That gets you six. You got one against Minnesota. That gets you seven. You got two against Pittsburgh. That gets you nine. You got one against Cleveland. That gets you 10. You got two against St. Louis that get you 12, and that's where you're at in regards to being right on the borderline. Um, if you can get hot, as I said, you get hot, you're in. You get swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates. You get swept by the Cardinals. That's the difference. The beautiful thing is this. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, uh, to be a pushover when I say this, this isn't a participation trophy kind of comment, I, but I do think that it's be having perspective is a pretty good thing in life. This is just awesome. It is. Never in a million years that I think that we would even have the chance of the scoreboard watch. Never in a million years that I think we had a chance to have all these rookies come up here and be as successful as they have been. Yes, they've been at times frustrating without question, but Spencer Steer has been nails all year long. T.J. Friedel has been nails for the most period, most point all year long. Those are young guys you're hopefully going to rely on from the future. Will Benson. Marte's come up, and like it or not, but Marte has shown signs of how great he can be. I mean, defensively, Marte has made some incredible plays. And offensively, he looks the part. Now, I get it. He's not produced in the manner in which we would all hope, maybe at the plate. But as a rookie... We've come to, as I've said before, we've come to expect things that probably are very unrealistic because Matt McLean ruined it for all the rest of them. Matt McLean came up and was, for, for, for better half of most of the year, <laughs> I think their best player. Ellie came up for two weeks, was the best player on planet Earth. Maybe outside of Shohei Otani, but you get my point. So, like it or not, if it goes down in flames, it goes down in flames. And by God, you can't say they're not fighting. They're not trying. They're not giving a rat's tail. I see people saying, you know, from time to time, oh, they quit, this, that, and the other. That's just nonsense. If you're saying that, you're just clueless, being honest with you. You're clueless. 
Um, the Cincinnati Reds have just as good of a chance as anybody else. In fact, I would say they would make the postseason if they were healthy, but that's not how it goes. Everybody in MLB probably has some health issues. I don't want to make it sound like it's just the Reds. The Reds aren't the only team that looks at the roster and thinks, well, if we'd have this guy, this guy, this guy, things would be better. But you should be here for it. You should enjoy it. And uh, the good thing is, is there's not a juggernaut that's sitting around us that I think that, oh, they're going to probably win 80% of their games or 70% of their games on the way out. So we'll see where, where it lands up. We'll see where it winds up. I'd love to get the Brewers, though, boys. I want them. You would be the three seed and the, the Brewers win the division and you go up to Milwaukee for three would games? Would love it. I, I would, would love it. to go back to I, Milwaukee. That's, that's, my, that's, my most feared, that's my most feared matchup. For, for Really? Yeah. Uh, why? Because we don't beat them, Trace. I don't. That's the point. The Reds do not beat the Milwaukee Brewers. Yeah. In Milwaukee. Okay. Let's flip it in reverse. Let's flip it in reverse. And let's certainly say, not a big series, which the Reds have proven. Game? Again, this weekend was great. Listen, I, splitting against the Cubs—that's what I asked for. That's what I got. But if I'm going to be quite honest, it took a couple miracles to beat to win those two games. The, I mean, absolute heroic, Herculean efforts by Nick Martini to have a chance in those games. So I, I would argue that. No, I think the Reds would, would not want to face the Milwaukee Brewers because right now they can't score runs, and you're certainly not going to score runs against Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. That's, that's my issue. Who would you rather face? Uh, well, if you come in so as the, the three the, seed, the, it'd, the, be the, it'd, be the, it'd be the National League Central winner. So it would be the Brewers no matter what. Or the Cubs. Or the Cubs. Yeah. If it was between the Cubs and the Brewers, I'd rather play the Cubs. I just know. No way. For what it's worth, according to Fangraphs right now, out of all the teams that have serious playoff odds, serious uh, playoff contenders, the Reds have the lowest odds to make the postseason, sitting around 20%. Now all the other teams that are flirting with that third wildcard spot have similar odds. So the Reds have a 20% chance. Marlins have a 25. The D-backs and the Giants are 35 to 40. Yeah, I mean, at the, at the end of it, uh, Mike brings up a good point. Who cares who you play? You're playing. Of course. I mean, that's that should be well stated, number one. Uh, if you make the postseason, you're just, we should be thankful we're in there. There's just something about the Brewers that I, I just feel like we owe the Bastards, okay? I feel like we owe the Bastards. I feel like we haven't played well at all, not a single time in those series. They haven't got our best shot. If, if I watched them play the Brewers this year and they dominate us the way that they have dominated us, and I thought, you know what? The Brewers are just a better team. That's just not what that. It's not what it's been. That's not what it's been. Now you can make the argument that that's just who the Reds are. They're not that good. But when the Reds played the Brewers, and you and again, people are gonna say, well, that's because the Brewers pitching, and that's because that's because what the Brewers did to the Reds. Okay, well, you can't. Again, you can't just sit there and convince me that out of all of those games, that it was always the Brewers. I just think that there's this weird, there's this weird notion that in the back of my mind that the Brewers have dominated us so much. That it works in reverse. Could you imagine the Reds being the NL Central champion right now? Winning, whatever, 9 of 11 games against the Brewers. And then the Brewers have to come to town and you got to beat them one more time, two or three. It feels like the old proverbial, you got to beat a good team three times. Yeah, It's hard to do. Is it possible? Sure. Could they do it? Of course they could do it. I just have a feeling. I just have a weird feeling that if they got a chance to go back to Milwaukee, they would beat them. I do. I, I, I think they could. Cubs I think they, are playing. I know the Brewers are good. The Cubs, though, 
are a team, though, in my opinion right now, that if I had to go to Wrigley and play a three-game series or I had to go to, ooh, American Family Insurance Stadium, which one do I want to go to? I'd much rather go to Milwaukee, okay? No, I have no doubt about that. But the thing is, the Reds have at least showed up offensively at some points during the Cubs series. I mean, it's taken a turn for the worse. They've given up this year? They've given up. Excuse me? Did they this weekend? Can I finish? I mean, what, are you done? Are you done? Do, 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 do. Out from under the bridge he comes. Listen, the, the Reds against the Cubs have fallen apart, I think, what was it, four times now? They've given up 15-plus runs three, three or four times uh, against, against the Chicago Cubs. But the offense has been there almost every time. Several times the offense has showed up. Mo- majority of the time against Chicago this season, the Reds have showed up. They have not shown up once against Milwaukee. Not once, and especially not in a series in which it mattered. So I, I, I think you look right now at the Brewers, and again, the Reds don't have a hit off their two best relievers, which close out the games. They barely hit Corbin Burns, and against Brandon Woodruff, I hate my chances. So if, if we're looking at this, can we outscore the Brewers in a playoff series when it's their two against, their best two against our best two? I don't think we can right now. Do you want to go up against Steele? I'd rather go up against Steel. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Take it back. Take it back. I'd rather go up against the Reds have hit Steel. The Reds have hit 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 Steel this year. So So they're due. They're due to hit him again. I'm just saying, I'm just saying there has been no signs of life at all. Especially not when Devin Williams comes out there. Not Devin Williams, excuse me. Um, No, it is Devin Williams. Devin Williams, yes. Yeah, so when Devin Williams comes out and who's the other guy, the other clown that shows up, I can't pronounce his name. Um, but when he shows up, the Reds just can't score on him. They can't get hits at all. So I like my chance against the Cubs, which brings me to my next point. Who would right now, assuming we get Graham Ashcraft, assuming we get Brandon Williamson back, assuming we get Hunter Green back, who would be our one and two? We have two playoff games. Who would, we be, who would be our one? Who would be our two starting pitchers? Hunter Green. You think Hunter Green starts game one? I don't think he'll start game one, but he's going to be at the two. I think Andrew oh, I Abbott's so. probably one. Oh, I don't think so. Who, I, think, who, who, I think it goes Ashcraft Abbott. I think it goes Ashcraft Abbott. Okay, you can convince me of Ashcraft, but I think the I, okay, you can convince Ashcraft's one. You're right. So I think if you look at it from that point, I mean, Lion Richardson's shown that he can pitch in the in the big leagues right now. You have you have Brandon Williamson who would be uh, used as a bullpen guy, I assume, in one of those two playoff games. The Reds have a chance to not let the Brewers score. So I guess you would be hoping you could get through nine innings and get to the magic runner rule on second base and extras. So I, I predict 0-0 through nine innings, both those playoff games. But just I, I don't like our chances of, of finishing those games scoring runs. So I'd rather play the Cubs. That's fine. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's not like it's a great option either way. But you're in the postseason. You're going to have to play a good team. That's how it goes. Uh, I just think that we're due, to, we're due to take care of the Brewers. You can I mean, listen, I guess at the end of the year, I would rather hang my hat on the idea of, of – of a team that just beat us seven of 11 games, beating us again. We're due to beat them. At some point. We're due to beat them. It's just, that's how I feel about it. Now, you might say that's a dumb argument. You want to go play a team that's beat you seven of 11 times or whatever that number ends up being. I think it's more than that, actually. Um, maybe maybe I'm an idiot for saying it, but that's just how I feel. That's how I believe. That's what my heart tells me to do. Uh, to be clear, I had a little bit of a brain fart there. It's going to be Ashcraft, game one. It will be Abbott, game two. Correct. And then I think based off of uh, splits and things of that nature, like it or not, they're going to kind of go Johnny Holstaff, where I think 
Hunter Green could throw a couple innings based off the lineup, and then they'll bring Williamson in for a couple innings, and then they'll just try to throw anybody else they got from there. It'll be it'll be every all hands on deck game three. It doesn't matter. So I, I am interested to see what a playoff roster would entail with this pitching staff because you've got a lot of guys up here right now on the bullpen side of things that quite frankly, don't deserve to be here still. Daniel Daniel Duarte will not be here come playoff time if the Reds were to, were to make it to the postseason. I think he gets replaced by Lyon Richardson. I think if you look at Derek Law, and again, I don't mean to, I don't mean to piggyback on the Derek Law hate. Uh, Derek Law got shelled on Sunday. It was one of the most embarrassing performances I've ever seen. The crazy part about it is all these relievers have been great this year. O- outside of Daniel Duarte, I'll throw him aside. Derek Law had a 3-2 ERA coming into that Cubs game. And it's just like, and again, it goes back to my point, and I'll say it until the day I die, I don't trust any of these guys. Ian Jabot gave up a run yesterday. It's just like, I, I, I don't trust any of these guys right now, but who I do trust is these starting pitchers who have come up and shown everything right now. Brandon Williamson's been great. Lion Richardson, I, I'd take Lion Richardson in an inning spot. If you want to go Hunter Green in a couple inning spot, I think Hunter Green uh, versus the, the, the batting order one time, I think he's elite. As of right now. So I don't know what they'll do with the bullpen side of things. Is is Alex Young back or is he still in the I.L.? Alex Young's still in the I.L. They only okay, got one so, left-handed so, reliever right now. So we still, we still, we're still struggling with that. Mole has been okay. Mole has been serviceable. Mole has been good. So I, I, I'll be curious to see what happens when the playoff roster comes. Uh, again, that's if we make it. You got you to do your job. You got to take care of business here the next four weeks, three and a half weeks. So we'll see. I'm excited, though. I mean, again, I have not had this level of excitement as a Reds fan. I have not. Yeah, it's been a while since we've felt this. I know people want to sit there and harken back to, obviously, 2021 and, and, and what happened there and certainly COVID year where the Reds didn't score any runs against the uh, the Braves, and that's still a little devastating. But here we are again. The best chance that you can to win a playoff series is to give yourself more chances. That has been said time and time again. In fact, I think that's probably the most um, intelligent thing that Nick Kirby said at the beginning of the year during our shows when people were complaining about not winning any postseason series. It's well, it's it's not that we haven't performed well in the postseason because we obviously haven't, but but the Reds have not given themselves many chances to perform well. If you're 0 for if you're 0 for two at the plate, are you a terrible hitter or do you just need some more at bats? The Reds need some more at bats in the postseason. Hopefully they get an opportunity to do that this year. And obviously the year is moving forward. Many people are going to come to expect them to be in the po- to be a part of the postseason. That's obviously not a guarantee. But again, I keep hearkening back when people sit there and scream and yell about, well, you're not guaranteed this, you're not guaranteed that. Well, of course, no team's guaranteed anything. But if you're going to sit here and suggest that they should go all in because you never have, you, you, you're not sure if they'll ever get a chance to do this quote-unquote thing again. You don't know if these guys are going to be this good again, etc. Then you just don't believe in a plan. If you want a plan and you believe in a plan and you'd like to have your front office have a plan, then you can't sit here and scream and yell about not going out and trying to get every single person possible. Giolito, by the way, is doing great. So shout out to all the people that were screaming and yelling about getting Giolito. He's been excellent for, for, for all five teams he's played for this year. It's amazing to me we've gotten to ourselves into a point here where, where for the Reds fandom is that we scream and yell about a guy that's got like a four and a half ERA and we want to act like he's Randy Johnson or Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin. Giolito's Giolito. He's just an average pitcher. Shout out Luke Weaver, though. That brings us to the last point of the day. Our cherry on top. 
Elliot had it first. And it was a sad day yesterday. And it was a sad day for one reason and one reason only. The Cherry on Top, presented by United Dairy Farmers. Yeah, it's a sad day. It's a sad day. Our guy, uh, Dream Weaver, Gary Wright, he passed away yesterday. Uh, he saw Luke Weaver one last time throw against the Cincinnati Reds, and, and unfortunately, he, he passed away. God bless his soul. God rest his soul. Uh, this, is, this, is, this is heartbreaking. He inspired a nation. Uh, he inspired a Reds fandom that was ailing, that was in needing of, of, of anything, of some hope, and he brought that hope. When Luke Dreamweaver signed with the Cincinnati Reds, nobody knew what he was going to be. I think he was supposed to be a reliever. Uh, but just like Luis Sessa, he came in, they, the Reds management threw him to be a starter. Did Dreamweaver pitch good? No. He was one of the worst pitchers I've ever seen. I mean, statistically, statistically, he has to be one of the worst pitchers in the history of the sport. He started every single game. He never missed a start. He didn't miss one start, but that didn't stop his ERA from reaching seven. His ERA was seven. Seven earned runs a game. He didn't miss a start. I think he's pitched in 18 starts. Um, but, you know, Gary Wright, he, he, he made one of the, the greatest songs of all time. And I, get, I got to associate it with, with Luke Dreamweaver. And, you know, it, it, it sparked a magical run that perhaps nobody's ever seen before. So, Gary Wright, I'll, I'll miss you forever. May your song live with us until the day we all die. Um, Dreamweaver, God bless. And that brings me one last final point before we sign off on the show. As a reminder of the programming, we're probably going to do an hour show the next two days. We're going to come up with some things that I have planned to do, uh, some segments. It's going to require us to rearrange the studio a little bit, so bear with us. We're going to do our best. Um, and we also obviously lost another legend in Jimmy Buffett. So hopefully you tell your loved ones that you love them because you just never know. You never know. So if we make it, whether it be COVID, whether it be something else that might get us, if we're back here, we'll be better than ever tomorrow. We appreciate you for watching this show. This chat is elite. This community is elite. And we love you for it. Take care, everybody. We'll see you tomorrow.